Welcome to Waking Up to Grace. I am Lenny. I am one of God's holy people. I am righteous. I am a saint. Why am I telling you these things? Because you should know these things about yourself. If you're a Christian and you believe in the finished work of the cross, you are those things too. And that is who you are by definition. I'm not bragging about how I act. I'm not bragging about all my actions and choices that I make. I am bragging in Christ because Christ is living in me. The spirit of Christ has made its dwelling within me. Um, according to uh, Ezekiel, he says, uh, the prophet Ezekiel says, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your body and give you a heart of flesh, which is a soft heart, a, a heart that's not stony. I will put my spirit within you. And uh, so according to that passage, I use this one a lot because it really helps describe our, our identity in Christ. And uh, the prophet Ezekiel was, was uh, prophesying about these things that we now have. So he took away our old heart and, uh, and he gave us a new one. That's what Christ did to us. He didn't just do something for us. He did something to us. And we need to, we ought to realize that. And so we're going to be going over that on this video. I'm giving you kind of a spoiler of what we're going to be going over in this, this union of this, this new heart we've been given. And then his spirit um, poured into our new heart and then our spirit, we're getting it. And then we got a new spirit. So in order to get a new spirit, he had to get rid of the old one. So we have this new spirit. We actually have our own Holy Spirit. That is in union with the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ himself. That's within the core of our being at our heart, at a heart level. And so why is it then that we come across so many people, so many Christians uh, that we come across say there's nothing good dwells within them. They say that they're sinful at heart. They say that they are basically a rotten person standing before a holy God. And, you know, basically like I'm I'm down here and God's up there at the, at the right hand of the father seated. And uh, why why is it that we have that? What what is what is causing this notion? Um, I, I know I know one of the things that is causing this notion is bad translation. And unfortunately, you know, we, we have to deal with that. There's some bad translations in our in our Bibles oftentimes. And, uh, you know, one of them in particular, if you look at the most popular translation, the NIV, uh, the 1980s version, they use the word sinful nature to describe the flesh. The Greek word sarx, evidently, is uh, actually another term for the flesh, which is not the sinful nature by definition. And so over time, they were, con they were convinced by people to change that translation, but uh, it took many years later. And um, so, so now the newer versions of NIV read the flesh. Um, but then there's still some other issues, you know, with this with, with this word, the flesh that gets us all hung up and 
and this sinful nature idea. Um, there's there's actually some passages in the scripture, Romans 7 particularly, that discusses this sinful nature concept. And uh, Paul talks about it himself. And, uh, and we're going to have to look at the context of that passage to see what he really meant by that. Does he say that we have a sinful nature? Does the Christian have a sinful nature? Or has our nature been made new the way the prophet Ezekiel said? How can we have a sinful nature if we have a new spirit and a new heart? And God's spirit is dwelling in us. How can we still be dirty and rotten before God? And how can we still be sitting at the foot of the cross? And so, you know, what I what I see happening is that there's this humbling. There's there's an absolute humbling that takes place for the for the Christian when he comes to the Lord. Right. When when you when you are when you're called and when you're drawn and when you follow that calling as his as one of the sheep. Uh, you have been humbled at that point. Everybody that's that's been there under realizes this point where the law or your conscience has humbled you before a righteous God and you're at your knees. I need a savior. That's what the law did to Israel. And, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be the law. It could be your conscience because the scripture says that for the Gentiles, their conscience bared uh, witness to the law. And so we all have this problem, this conscience. We know somewhere that it's wrong, but we still love it in the flesh. We still love it in the, the sinful nature that we were before before we were converted. We had the sinful nature from Adam. We inherited it. And we get into that on our other videos. I have a lot of videos that go back to the beginning. And uh, so I'm going to, and there will probably be more because, you know, I like to talk about the beginning. There's a lot of, on, the, on a quick side note, there's a lot of things that uh, us uh, Christians have to deal with that they're not dealing with, but we have to deal with it. Uh, and then this is all pertaining to our identity, which is this which is what this video is about. And uh, so again, welcome, welcome to another message at Waking Up to Grace. And uh, so let's dig in here. Um, let's dig into this topic a little bit. So, you know, as I said, the side note of a few things we got to deal with. Uh, we've been, we've been fully cleansed of our sin. The sin problem's been dealt with. Okay. So, you know, we, uh, you know, we went to that foot of the cross. We were humbled by the law and we said, I need a savior. And he took care of that. When he said it was finished at the cross, that was like you coming to the foot of the cross and him up there saying down to you, it's finished. It's good. You know, but then but then there's this element of, of the whole holy and we have to accept that. And we have a hard time. We're always like, oh, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry, God. You know, you're so righteous and I'm so filthy and I'm sorry. But is that what he's looking for? Or is he looking for you to say, thank you? It's okay to be disgusted with your actions. It's okay. But you got to know that the Spirit is not convicting you. It's counseling you. It's there to comfort. The Spirit comforts you when you are brought down by your actions. When you're brought down and you're like, oh, God, get me out of this way of thinking. Uh, get me out of this what is going on? Why am I thinking this way? Why am I caught up in these distractions of the world? That's that's okay. That's a healthy thing because that's when the spirit is going to comfort you and bring you to another level. If you're not experiencing that 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 uh, humbleness, you're missing out because that's when the spirit is strong. When you are weak, uh, scripture says, when we're weak, the spirit is strong. 
So let's that's, that's, uh, embrace those weaknesses. Let's realize, let's realize that the, for one, that, that we're not stuck at the foot of the cross, the cleansing wasn't it, that we have this resurrected life that he gave us through the spirit, through his resurrection. He rose from the dead so that he could give us life. Let's experience that. Let's stop ignoring that part. He's in us, living in us. And just because we have no control over it, it doesn't make doesn't make the power any less. We have this great power inside of us, at work within us, and uh, and that's one of the one of the crazy parts about it is that we can't control it, and that's the other thing that you got to deal with as a Christian. You can't summons that spirit whenever you want. You've got to grow the way God wants you to grow, from baby up to adult. That whole process of maturity happens on its own in life, doesn't it? But it also happens on God's time in the spirit. We don't choose when we're going to mature. We don't choose when we're going to develop and pull away from something that's becoming a struggle for us. We don't get to choose that. Just like we didn't get to choose our salvation. God chose us first. You got to deal with that. Stop fighting it. Stop arguing about it with God. Stop trying to dig in and find out what God's love is all about. I, I'm going to detail it out. God's loved us. Uh, so he gave us a free will. No, he didn't. Why are you still struggling? <laughs> Come on. Come on. Who is helping you? Who is counseling you? Who is getting you through these things? It's not your will. You have a will. But you're in, you are a slave either to one thing or another. You're a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. You ever seen people that are stuck in some kind of uh, primitive thinking or they're just, they're just narrow-minded, you think, in your mind? Like, they're just not using their the abilities of their mind to, to think freely into this situation. They're just stuck in this bad way of thinking. Why? Why are they stuck in that? And uh, why are people stuck, you know, in this in this way of thinking that, oh, God's God's nothing, that's that's garbage. I don't need to hear that. I don't need the gospel. Why are people stuck in it? Why? Why? Why does God? Why does God? Jesus say that nobody will come to the Father and uh, and come to the Son unless the Father draws him. There's a reason. We got to deal with that. We can't. We can't go around telling people that their choices are going to guide the Spirit somehow, summons the Spirit somehow. Our choices are what's required for God's will to be done well and for him to be proud. Our choices, our choices. No. Now I'm here to tell you that it's 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 <laughs> it's not our will. Our our choices reflect the influence. And when the spirit's influencing us, then things are good. It's a hard, it's a hard concept to understand. It's a humbling concept to understand, but we have to deal with that. So I, I know a lot of people out there right now probably don't want to hear this part. It's not uh, it's not popular uh, in a lot of crowds. You know, they're going to they're going to you're going to be triggered right now that I'm saying these things. But uh, but it all ties into our identity. You were chosen from the beginning. You were chosen from the beginning. You are a holy person. You are a child of God that he chose from the beginning before you could do anything wrong or anything at all. You were chosen. That's your identity. You were chosen. You are made holy. You are now righteous. 
You're a child of God. You got to deal with that. You are forgiven. You're clean. And God and the Holy Spirit, is they've made their dwelling within you and they're comforting you all through this life, all through the bad choices that you're making. They're comforting you and they're growing you and they're maturing you. This, this is grace. That is the full grace message. That's why we say full grace. It's not because I know everything. It's not because I have a doctorate or any of those fancy degrees. It's because I understand the grace of God, that it's all him, none of us. But, but, and this is a good but. This isn't the gospel of it's all Jesus and we're all forgiven. But this is a, it's all him. But we participate he wanted a relationship with us. He chose us from the beginning for this purpose. We are part of this purpose. We are part of his will. Our will does matter because he's influencing it. It matters and it's special. It's sacred. It's holy. We've been sanctified. We've been set apart. These things are amazing. These things are amazing. Okay, so don't let this go under the rug and by the wayside just to go study some deep biblical truth uh, that you can share with others. Knowledge, Paul says, puffs up. It doesn't do any good. What comes from the heart? What comes from our core is what is good. None of this fancy schooling is going to help you with that. There is no school that gives you the spirit. There's no special hierarchy that gives you the spirit. If there's a hierarchy and a structure that isn't biblical, that's teaching it correctly, then that's great. Whatever. You know, men make all kinds of things, and God works in and through all things. But the structures today are broken. <laughs> we have to see this. We have to realize. It, I'm not telling you to stop going to church. I'm just telling you that if you're following one person at the podium for all of your teachings, you're missing out. Follow the Spirit. Let God guide you. Pray to God. Let him lead you to some other ideas. Let him lead you to some other concepts, some other teachers, and discern what they're saying. Discern what they're saying in light of what? How are we supposed to read the gospel? People use words like hermeneutics, and there's these rules that you have to follow. It's not that complicated. You can sum up all context and hermeneutics in this. Look at the Bible in light of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Everything you read, everything. If you're going to go back to the Old Testament and you're not going to look at it in light of the finished work of, the, of Jesus Christ, you have a veil over your head, according to Apostle Paul. He says there's a veil over those who are, are teaching the law. And uh, so if you're not in Christ and you're not looking at the Old Testament through that lens, you have a veil over your eyes. You're, you're under law. You're putting yourself under this law, you know, and then... And Paul said, if you, if you don't live up to every law, you fail at all of them. Yeah, all of them. And James even mentioned something along those lines. You know, you can't live up, you can't just, if, if, you, if you live up to all of them and fail at one. I think it was James that said that, and Paul said it differently. So, so you know, it's, uh, I'm just kind of throwing that out there. It's in there. If you look it up, look it up, you'll find these passages. I'm I'm just speaking from the heart right now. Uh, if anybody has has been following us, you, you notice that it's been a little while since I've I've put out a message, and so I'm excited to be back. And uh, you know, getting back into the swing of things, I, I just wanted to come out with something, you know, from the from the heart and this identity 
thing that uh, really matters. I don't want to leave. I don't want people to be stuck at the foot of the cross. I desire for people to uh, to rise to a higher spiritual level, level than that and find their identity, find their freedom in Christ. So let's let's learn about our identity. Let's uh, let's be free. Let's be free in in Christ, which <laughs> which actually is uh, actually a, a different type of of slavery that we're under because we were Paul describes as once we were slaves to sin, now we're slaves to righteousness. We're in chains. Your identity as a new believer, you are in chains of righteousness. So before, when you were a slave to sin, you know the the forces uh, at work. You could you could say Satan. You could say the the power of sin, whatever you want to call it. You know you were in these you were in these chains um, of of you were in bondage to your sin. You were in in slavery to it, but. The forces of evil wanted you to believe that you weren't. They were saying, no, 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 you're good. You're free. You can do whatever you want. You, you should sin all and indulge and, and do all that feels good to the, to, your, to the flesh because that's where it's at. It's feel, if it feels good, how can it be wrong? You know, so you're in these, but, but you're in these chains and you didn't realize it. You want to go drink. You know, and, but then God puts this cup of water up on this uh, stand for you and uh, you can't reach it. You realize that you're in chains. You know, you're, you're trying to reach up for this cup of water and you're stuck. That's when he that's that's when uh, Jesus came with the law. You know, that's when Jesus expounded upon the law at the Sermon on the Mount and showed you how worthless you were all the chains that you were in, you couldn't reach righteousness. That cup of water, that living water that Jesus was going to give you, you couldn't get it. You were stuck in chains of, of sin. You were in bondage to that sin. Well, God unshackled those chains for you when you came to belief, and he put you in a new set of chains. Now you're in chains of righteousness. Now, no matter what you do, and he reveals this to us, no matter how far you try to reach Outside of those chains of righteousness, you're his. You were bought at a price. You are eternal. Salvation is eternal. It started when you became a believer, and it doesn't end. You don't get to. You don't lose it. You don't get to leave it. You can. You can check out in your mind anytime you like, but you're never gonna leave. You're in this. You're in this for good. So deal with it. You gotta come to terms with that. You are righteous. God is there to comfort you. He's going to comfort you. <laughs> Believer, he's going to comfort you. Okay? So when you're down, when you're upset with yourself, don't put yourself back at the foot of the cross begging for more forgiveness. God teaches us that the covenant was a blood covenant. Without the shedding of blood, in Hebrews, he says, there is no forgiveness. So if you can't get more forgiven than the shedding of Jesus' blood, then where are you going to get your forgiveness? If Christ's blood wasn't enough to cover for every sin you're ever going to commit, how are you going to get more forgiveness? Are you going to sacrifice your own blood? Are you going to go back to the to the lamb and goat, you know, in the bull system, you know, sacrificing animals? Where are you going to get it? Because God tells us it's blood. Blood started the new covenant, or the old covenant, and blood started the new. The, the new covenant was established with the blood of Christ. And it's in your veins now. You're clean. You've been cleansed. 
So Isaiah says, I am the one who blots out your rebellious deeds for my sake. Your sins I do not remember. God doesn't have amnesia. He, he just chooses not to remember. God has a free will, and he used his free will to choose not to remember your sins so that you could be released from that bondage. God chose, because God can choose. But when he makes a promise, he always keeps it. Psalm says, as far as the eastern horizon is from the west, so he removes the guilt of our rebellious actions from us. What do you think he means by that? You know, you think I can go around smacking people around and not feeling guilty about it? Lying, not feeling guilty about it? Not at all. No, no, he's talking about God. God's always in your corner now. He's comforting you. It doesn't matter how bad your sin is. There is no such thing as this fellowship issue where we are positionally forgiven, but we have to maintain our fellowship to keep our blessings coming in. Good luck finding that in scripture. It's not there. You know, we have we have uh, teachings uh, on 1 John 1, 9 and, you know, all kinds of teachings on uh, um, several teachings. If you look at uh, some of our older videos, you can go on my website, which I should have mentioned early on. Um, I'm pretty excited. I made a new blog post page on the website that's going to be a work in progress. And uh, but it's it's finished. It's up. You know, you can make comments on there. It's like a, it's like a, our own version of a, a Facebook, really, because I got the videos and there's going to I'm going to add to the, the text teachings. I'm having a lot of fun with it. It's going to be a, it's going to be really cool. So check out our website at Waking Up to Grace when you have a chance, if you like what we teach here or what I teach. Rather, I say we, you know, there's others of us involved in this ministry. So I'm not just speaking in a strange way, calling myself more than one. Although there is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit here. Um, and that is part of the identity. We're never alone. We're never alone. So we're always in good company, aren't we? Um, so anyhow, we have these, these prophets teaching us these great things. We have the, these new hearts. So what do we do with this? You know, what, what do we have to do with it? Well, we have everything to do with it. We, um, you know... <laughs> Uh, looking at uh, different passages, I'm going to go through some different passages. So let's look at some Bible passages about identity. All right. So uh, we have Galatians 2.19 for the law. I died to the law so that I may live to God. I've been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So the life I now live in the body, I live because of the faithfulness of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside God's grace because if righteousness could come through the law, then Christ died for nothing. So what part of you was crucified? Were you physically crucified with Christ? No, that would have been what Ezekiel was describing as uh, he gave you a new spirit and a new heart. That was your old self. That was, that was your old spirit. Your soul has remained this whole time, and your soul is now eternal, and, and it will go on. It's, it's with you, your soul, your core being, but you're, you're, uh, you have this new spirit. So your old spirit was crucified at the cross, but then it was resurrected. And so he says the, the, he's been crucified, and so is no longer I who live, he says. He's referring to his old self. But then he refers to his new self in the next passage. He says, so the life I live in the body, I live because of the faithfulness of the Son of God. He lives for the Spirit who loved and gave himself for him. 
loved and gave himself for him. He's not accusing him. He says, I do not set aside God's grace because if righteousness could come through the law, then Christ died for nothing. So righteousness does not come from works, actions. And he uses the word law in some areas and he uses works in another because they're the same thing. The law was works, works of the law. We can create our own laws. We can create our own works. And we've done that in today's, when I say we, I don't mean me, but as a society, we've done that to our Christian faith. We've created our own set of rules and regulations. That's not our identity. And that's what I'm here to tell you. I want you to know who you are in Christ. You're not going to hear us preaching about much else. We, you know, I'm, we're, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to preach on Christ because that's what matters. That's what matters. So for you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, Galatians 5.13 says, for you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity to indulge your flesh, but love and serve one another. Do not use your freedom uh, to indulge in your flesh. And so there we have this translation, your flesh. You are not the flesh. You're not the flesh. And it's not your flesh. It's the flesh. It's not the sinful nature, as the NIV version would have said. Do not indulge your, your, your sinful nature. It's not that either. It's the word sarks. And it's this, the Greek word that means the flesh. There was a bad translation. And I've come to realize how important that is and how much it matters to help help our growth. There's a real stumbling block put there when we start calling ourselves um, uh, a sinful nature. We don't have a sinful nature. The sinful nature does not exist in us any longer. It, it, there's nowhere. All the passages in Scripture go against that concept. We had a sinful nature, and now we have the righteousness of God. We have the nature of God living in us. We no longer have a sinful nature. We are not we are not the flesh. Our body is not the flesh. The flesh is the power of sin that can enter into and onto our body because our bodies are, are still prone. We have these mortal bodies. So the, the flesh would be basically equivalent to the power of sin working through our bodies. So that's that's how I would just, how I would define the flesh. And that's that's how we should discern the flesh spiritually. Because anything else, I mean, you could try to describe it a different way, but that's not our identity. Our identity is not in the sinful nature. That's over. It's been killed and crucified. That nature is gone. So that's a bad translation. So it would be, well, I mean, you could say indulge your flesh, indulge your, uh, your desires, but it's indulging the flesh. Don't use your freedom to, uh, to give hold to the power of sin. But even that we need God for. So if you find the power of sin at work, humble yourself, pray. God is always with you, always on your side, always inside of you, right there. You have the power of God within you. Stop acting like he's way up there. <laughs> Scripture, actually, Paul, in a verse, I, I can't uh, name the verse off the top of my head, but uh, he, he says that we are seated with him in heavenly places. He went to the right hand of the Father to rest, to sit and rest because his work was done and we're seated with him spiritually, okay? So he's not up there and we're down here. We're in him and he's in us so that he's out there, he's in here, he's both, <laughs> but he's not far away. 
We're surrounded by him and he's inside of us. That's permanent. He's never far away. There is no such thing as the broken fellowship issue. You cannot be far from fellowship. That is not scriptural. And you don't have a sinful nature. So then in Galatians 5.22, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Crucified the flesh. Crucified the power of sin. That old self is, is gone. That old identity is gone. That old spirit crucified. That was our old spirit. That was the flesh. We were born dead in sin. That was the old self. If we live by the spirit, let us also behave in accordance with the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, being jealous of one another. So act like what you are. You can sum up a lot of Paul's writings where he's trying to teach people the fruit of the spirit, joy, love, patience, kindness. Act like what you are. You're a holy creature. You're a new creation. Colossians 2.12, having been buried with him in baptism, <clears throat> you have also been raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. And even though you were dead in your transgressions and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he nevertheless, you were dead in your sins. He nevertheless made you alive with him, having forgiven all your transgressions. He has destroyed what was against us. A certificate of indebtedness expressed in decrees opposed to us. He has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. How much more sin can be taken away from you? You, you no longer have to deal with that with God. That, that's been dealt with. We got to move on. Sin has been dealt with. The power of the blood of Christ. Titus teaches us a little bit about how to use our new identity. He says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. It trains us to reject godless ways and worldly desires and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age as we wait for the happy fulfillment of our hope and the glorious of appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us to set us free from every kind of lawless and to purify for himself a people who are truly his, who are eager to do good. So communicate these things with the sort of exhortation or rebuke that carries full authority. Don't let anyone look down on you. Don't let anyone look down on you for your new identity. Don't let anybody tell you you're bad. Don't let anybody tell you you're no good and you got to get right with God. Don't let anybody tell you that. That's what this passage is teaching you. He set us free from lawlessness. He purified for himself a people who are truly his. You, Christian, are truly his. You, the believer of Christ's finished work, you are truly his. He purified you. Ephesians 2, 4. This just keeps getting better. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even though we were dead in offenses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you are saved. We were dead. He made us alive. Did the dead person have something to do with that? No, he made you alive. 
he made you alive. You got to live with that. Sorry. <laughs> By grace, you are saved. And he raised us up together with him and seated us together with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. There's that passage to demonstrate in the coming ages, the surpassing wealth of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you are saved through faith. And none of this is from yourselves. That was my translation. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not from works so that no one can boast. For we are his creative work, having been created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand so we can do them. You can't mess that up. You just you just gotta you you gotta be humbled by that. You gotta rest in his grace. This is that this is what we ought to be doing, resting in his love and his grace. And when we're in distress, just cry out to him. It's okay. He's always gonna hear you. He's not gonna hear you because you paid your tithe. He's not gonna hear you because you went to church every week. He's not going to hear you because you did confession and took your communion and got cleansed self by your own self. No, he's going to hear you because he cleansed you, because he purified you. And you're already in the church. You can't leave that. You don't leave the real church. So then if any, then 2 Corinthians says, 5, 2 Corinthians 5.17. So then if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. What is old has passed away. Should we argue with this? You are a new creation. You're not the old self. The old self has passed away. It's gone. It got nailed to the cross, crucified. Look, what is new has come. And all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself. To reconcile is like a bank account. Uh, slate cleaned. It's checked out. It's... It's reconciled, zeroed out, but it also is a, is a term for relationships. It's fixed. He fixed our relationship. He's reconciled us to himself through Christ and who has given us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's trespasses against them. And he has given us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making his plea through us. We pre plead with you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made the one who did not know him to be sin for us. So that in him we would become the righteousness of God. So be reconciled. They, they, their desire was for people to be reconciled. They knew that not everybody would. But they, their desire is that everybody would be reconciled. And then he says we are ambassadors of Christ. We have the message of reconciliation. So if we know how if we know how forgiven we are and we know this new life, we we own this new identity and we realize it, we understand it. We're ambassadors. We can we can preach Christ because we know him because he's in us. He reconciled us. Your identity, your identity is what qualifies you. You can teach about Christ if you want to. You have the identities giving you that identity. You don't need credentials. You don't need seminary. You need the Spirit. The Spirit is what qualified the apostles. And the Spirit is what qualifies everybody to be able to teach about our Lord, who we know in our hearts. 
Hebrews just amplifies it even more. And uh, it says, for indeed, he who makes holy and those being made holy all have the same origin. And so he is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers in the in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. That was Jesus talking again. He says, I will be confident in him. And again, here I am with the children God has given me. So we're Jesus' brothers, we're God's children. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, we share in flesh and blood, his flesh and blood. He likewise shared in their humanity so that through death he could destroy the one who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and set free those who were held in slavery all their lives by their fear of death. We don't have to fear death anymore. Maybe we do still in our in our uh, weakness, but we don't have to. We don't have to. Hebrews 10.10 10 says, By his will we have been made holy through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Not once until the next sin. We're not forgiven sin to sin. You sin and then, oh, you got to ask forgiveness, and then you're forgiven until your next sin. It's not the way it works. Because he says for by uh, in 1014, for by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are made holy. You are made holy. You have been made holy. You are perfect forever. That's your identity. That's who you are. That's how God sees you. That's That's who you are to God. That's not just him putting on a special set of glasses to see you that way. That's who you are to God. He made you that way. He made you a new creation. Your whole body is good. Everything's good, but it's prone. It's prone to sin. That's all. <clears throat> For a certain passage. Um, I skipped over that one on accident. First Corinthians, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. Glorify God with your body. So he, he knows in this message that we're going to, the power of sin will still find its way into these bodies. But yet he still goes to call it the temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit. We, we are the church. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. These bodies, these mortal bodies. And another passage described as we hold the, this precious uh, jewel uh, in jars of clay. These, these fragile bodies of ours, they're holy. God's proud of us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So he says, glorify God with your body. Glorify him with it. Our bodies are, are kind of like the hammer, I guess. <clears throat> you could say they're kind of like a tool. You can, use a, you, can use a, you can use a tool to build up, or you can use a tool to break down and destroy. The tool can be used for two things. 
So they're encouraging, he's encouraging you to, you know, encouraging all of us to follow the spirit and do good things with our body, following the spirit, but we're only capable in as much as the spirit gives us as we grow and mature. And so the, these, these, uh, these words are descriptive. They're descriptive of something that, you know, we want to happen, that we hope for to be happening in us. We want this renewing of the mind to take place. We, we, we want our minds renewed because that's where peace comes in. There is, there is more to Christianity than just dying and going to heaven. Uh, the, the life that we have, the resurrected life that we live on this planet Earth, on this fallen world and in these fragile bodies, understanding our identity is everything. It's everything. Because how do we know how to act if we don't even know who we are? How do we know how to come to God if we don't even know who we are to, towards him? How, what he sees us as? What is his view of us? We have to know these things. This is so, so important, you guys. I mean, I can't express it enough. I can't express it enough. What good is all the knowledge in the world about the Bible if we don't have this? So then in, uh, you know, if, if we wanted to read Romans chapter six, we could read all about sin and uh, and uh, we could read Romans chapter seven. And I think I I think we'll I think we'll do that, but I think I might save it for another teaching. This one's probably uh, probably gone pretty well, pretty long uh, as far as lengthwise. Um, <laughs> before before I started getting into the passages, I was you know just teaching from the heart and, and like letting out some uh, some spiritualness that I needed to to get out there. And I really appreciate you guys listening and and uh, allowing me to be the uh, have this outlet uh, to to get this out there because um, I feel a bond with you guys out there. You know, it may sound funny. I'm just you know, literally just sitting here in front of a camera. But uh, you know, I, you guys out there, when you when you give a thumbs up, when you give a loving remark, give me an amen. You know, that that really feels good, and um, and it's and it's more than a feeling. This is a bond that we have in Christ with each other. So we we are bonding in that way. There's a spiritual bond, even if it's just silly social media. I mean, we're a social media ministry. <laughs> Very much so. And, uh, you know, that's where we publish our, our things. Facebook, you know, is our is our go to, you know, our main uh, our ma uh, my main focus right now. So I'm focusing on Facebook. I like the I really like the community there and I can only be in so many places. I, I don't believe that, uh, you know, I've 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 pondered it. I've prayed about it and um, just, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how big and, and how many places I'm published, but I, I wanted to focus, you know, I'm, I'm definitely feeling led to focusing on Facebook. We're on YouTube. You can watch YouTube if you like YouTube. And I'd love to have you guys following us and supporting us there. It all helps. It all helps us get found. It gets the word out there. And that's, that's the goal. I'm not, you know, we're not looking to make this a business. We just, we want this word out there. And if you guys also want that, you know, give us a thumbs up, give us a like, follow us, subscribe us, share us, whatever, uh, whatever you feel on your heart, you know, you're, you're under grace, you're not under law and I'm not telling you what to do, but, but if you like what we, we have to say and, uh, you know, do those things and, and please check out our website, you know, it's, it's going to be building and I'm excited about it. Cause I'm going to be building. I, I like building websites and, um, I, and I would never do it for a living. Cause I, I really, 
I kind of actually love it and hate it being in front of the computer that long. It, it's like uh, it, it kind of gets to you after a little bit, but uh, <laughs> but I actually love building uh, different uh, websites. And so I've learned through the years through our uh, our our um, our the business that I run that uh, you know it's it's fun to do and it's enjoyable and I know how to do it. So don't forget to check out our website wakingupgrace.com. We're gonna I'm gonna be doing a lot with it. And uh, right now, if you go on our our posts page, um, it's like a blog post page. I'm going to be building on that. I'm going to have uh, I'm going to be keeping it organized for easy reference. And uh, so if you click on one, of, I actually use Rumble on, on the those on my blog post page because you can easily watch or you can easily listen. Uh, you if you click off your phone screen, you can still keep listening to the video. Um, whereas, uh, YouTube, the more popular one, it'll actually just turn off the audio as soon as you lock your phone. So if you're trying to work and listen, you can't. So I wanted to, so I, I chose rumble because, um, you can work and listen, um, right from my post page. You know, if you just want to go on our website and our post page, you can find them probably easier than Facebook, probably even easier than YouTube. Cause I can, I'm going to be keeping it organized and then I'm going to, uh, you know, God willing be working on a topical reference system because I, I think that just makes sense. I like to write and I like to build web pages. Probably, you know, hopefully, you know, my, my goal is to work on that over the winter, but I'm not promising anything. It's only by grace that I'll have the motivation to do those things and to carry them out and for God to give me the resources. Uh, so God willing, you know, uh, also I'll see you guys on the, on the next call. I, I plan to be around and I desire to be keeping on doing this. But it's by God's grace that we do all things. And um, so, you know, he's not my genie in a bottle that I summons whenever I feel like it and uh, tell him what to do. So he's guiding me, not the other way around. And that's awesome. The power of God lives in you. The power of God resides in you and dwells in you. Actually, when you really think about it, everything that is good is inside of you. Everything that is, is good, all good, dwells within you. So you may fall into some some junk now and then and you get distracted. You know, your your body and your mind may get distracted, but at the core of your being, everything good dwells within you. Don't forget that. Keep that in mind. It's okay to be honest about yourself. It's okay to say I'm righteous. It's okay to say I'm holy. Yeah, you can do that. And it actually feels pretty good because it's true. And the scripture affirms it. You're telling the truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So when you confirm your identity in him, you're just telling the truth. And that's good. Don't be a liar. Don't, don't call yourself a dirty, rotten sinner. You're lying to yourself. That's not you. That's not you. So, all right, that's, a, that's it for today. I hope you guys had a, had a, a, learned from this. I hope it was helpful. And um, I hope I hope it's opened some eyes, and I and I hope it's been encouraging to those who who understand. And maybe maybe you just picked up a couple things that you didn't know. And uh, I know I'm learning. I'm still learning all the way, and just loving it. This ministry has been been a blessing, you know, for myself, and just to you know to 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 have an outlet and to be learning all the way. So you know, we're I'm teaching what I know so far, and. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> teaching what I know so far. I may not be perfect, but I do know grace. 
And I may, may, may even mess up a word here and there, you know, in my, in my teachings, you know, just like the Bible messes up some words in the translations with flesh or talking about the sinful nature. I might mess up a word here and there. I look back and I know that I do because I check out my videos. I'm like, I could have said that better. And then sometimes you just go back a few months and you see that you've grown. It's amazing. So I hope you guys are growing with me, you know, and I hope you're uh, just growing in general. Follow the spirit, not me. But if this is uh, if this uh, teaching's been helpful to you, then that's good, and then it's then it's it's done its job, right? God is is uh, God doesn't mess up, you know. He's gonna he's there for us. So you guys enjoy your day out there, amen.